Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Hello and welcome to Asia Tech Podcast. We are going to talk about the burgeoning Indonesian startup scene. And to do that, I'm joined by the host of a new show on Asia Tech Podcast, Eric Tenhaver. Eric, welcome to the show. Yes. Hi, Graham. Welcome. Welcome to your own show. That's right. Yeah, welcome to my own show. That's great. <laughs> it's great. So we're going to talk about Indonesia and what's going on in Indonesia, what we're going to talk about in your show as well, what you want to achieve in your show, what you hope to cover in terms of topics and subject areas, and a bit about your background as well. So maybe we can do it in that reverse order. Start up talking about yourself, Eric. Obviously, you know, you're not a, an Indonesian by birth. It's not an obvious Indonesian name. What's the story? How did you get involved with the Indonesian market? Yeah, I came to Indonesia 21 years ago as a young man, uh, and I'm still living, still living there as a bit older man at the moment. Right. Uh, married with three kids in uh, in the meantime. Yeah. I used to. Uh, I came there a long time ago for a Dutch telco who had uh, shares in a local mobile operator, and part, as part of the shares, there was an, an escrow package with money that was used for bringing in expertise from the Netherlands to Indonesia to help this uh, this telco. Uh, telecom cell in this case uh, startup and uh, that's yeah that was my first experience i had never been to indonesia before i landed for my first day at the job hmm. and basically took the jump and flew there and um, and started working in in this com- back then uh, completely new industry of mobile telecommunications it's very exciting very fast growth of the of the company and of of everything that was going on and uh, yeah, that brought me there. And uh, as an expat there, usually you're, you're, you have an expiry date, meaning uh, your jobs are usually, if, if it all works, it should be for a couple of years and then you should be moving on uh, and hand it over to the local team, which was exactly mm-hmm. what happened to me. So after my first job at this mobile telco, I had a few other jobs in different kinds of industry and um I started a mobile SMS service for an internet company. I worked for another mobile telco. We did a um, a voice-activated advertising platform for mobile. So I've done all sorts of back then quite revolutionary new kinds of business. Uh, but usually as an as an employee until 2005, when I saw the opportunity of of uh, SMS premium SMS content services. Uh, and together with a business partner there, I started uh, a company that did uh, back then uh, ringtones and horoscopes and uh, soccer uh, scores on mobile, um, mm. whereby uh, customers would pay for the service, uh, the telco would charge for the service, and we would get a revenue share based on you know how many people were using it. Well, you can imagine you now Indonesia, a country with you know over 250 million people. Uh, if your marketing is good, you can get a very, very large user base on these kind of services. So we were quite successful to the point that uh, we were very successful in the year 2011 and uh, the Indonesian telco regulator uh, decided to step into this industry and basically made it virtually impossible to continue doing what we were doing. Um, so there there was a time where in, in 2011, uh, after building this whole company, I lost it due to regulatory changes. And um, since then, I've been, you know, we've, we've, I've been trying a few different startup businesses, but I've really shifted my focus on um, for my income on a property business, which is quite interesting because I'm going to 
run a show based around startups yet at the moment my focus is in a completely different industry mm. which is you know property investing but and it's still, exactly it's still the, investing though i mean that's the point isn't it is that you know like any investor doesn't just invest in one thing they have many right. different levels of risk and many different interests as well that's right yeah and that, that that's the same with me um when i when i went out of the telco business i decided i want to do something else and and diversify my risk and my income streams mm. and i think the the interest for technology and interesting for starting businesses and interesting for growing businesses has never really uh, left me and that was mainly the reason after talking to you to say look you know shouldn't we you know go and create a program or a show around indonesian startups or indonesian tech scene because there is quite a few media channels that pay attention to that industry but i found out that especially podcasting there is not any one podcast as I can find it that's continuing uh, continuing to cover that that area mm. and that really excites me and I mean now I'm a bit more of an observer instead of uh, the entrepreneur uh, and I really enjoy that and I enjoy talking to people and I enjoy trying to you know with the experience I've had over the last 21 years running businesses in Indonesia trying to get the interesting and intriguing facts out of people that are starting new businesses in this country. Well, there's so much to talk about, isn't there? I mean, let, let's back up a little bit and unpack some of what you said. Sure. And for those that may not know, there is a, a long history between the Netherlands, where you're from, and Indonesia. And there's a lot of Dutch people living in Indonesia as well. There's, as I said, there's, there's the obvious history, but there still is a, a sort of a cultural, what's the word? I, I think there's a cultural mix there, isn't there? I mean, in the people who aren't just expats living in Jakarta and parts of Indonesia, but people who've really sort of got into the culture like yourself. I mean, you, your, your wife's Indonesian, you know, your kids are brought up in, you know, those multiple cultures. So it's not like you're an expat who's gone to Indonesia, lived in that bubble. You're pretty much immersed in Indonesia, you speak Bahasa to, I guess, sort of fluency. I mean, how do you sort of see yourself when you think about your own sort of identity and your relationship to the Netherlands and Indonesia? Yeah, there's an interesting thing that happens if you live in a country for a long time like I have. Um, your identity sort of starts to get very confusing. Hmm. Um by birth, I'm Dutch, and I'm currently actually in the Netherlands uh, for for a break, and I still feel very connected to this country. But the longer I'm away, a lot of a lot of connection to an identity or culture is the time you spend in it. Hmm. And I've spent very little time in the culture of the Netherlands, so I, I understand it. I still uh, enjoy it, but I'm getting detached from it the longer I'm away from it. So I f I think culturally I'm more connected to the Indonesian culture and the Indonesian people and my 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 both my foreign and my Indonesian friends that I have in Indonesia instead of to the Netherlands. Uh, mm. I'm really when I'm here I'm really on holiday and visiting. I'm I'm really visiting a country that I haven't lived in for 21 years. And I think, you know, culturally and emotionally I'm more connected to Indonesia than I am to the Netherlands at the moment. Well well let's and, have a look at that. I mean I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm going to freestyle on this one, Eric. So apologies for this. Is that 80% of your adult life you've spent in Indonesia, more or less? Is that correct? I don't know. Maybe more. No, I'm 47, so uh, a, lit, a bit less than half. Yeah. 
Okay, no, but your adult life, right? Like so, over eighteen, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so if so you take two thirds yeah, to seventy percent, two thirds, right? Seventy percent of your adult life you spent exactly. in Indonesia, right? So by choice, right. if you like, I mean, you didn't choose the first eighteen years, did you? No, that's so, right. Okay, so that that's really most of what you've known, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, in terms of speaking Bahasa Indonesian as well, I mean, what sort of level would you describe yourself at? Uh, very fluent. I can. Oh. I mean, I I read contracts in the language, so I'm right. pretty okay in that. I wouldn't be able to write a contract, but I would be able to read one. Well, I mean, you um, question whether or not you can write a contract in Dutch as well, or somebody in English, right? So that's it's, right. It's a different language almost entirely, isn't it? So yeah, but but speaking, I'm I'm very fluent, and I, that's also how I interact with the Indonesians that I meet. I mean, I'm speaking Indonesian with them. I won't do that on the podcast. Obviously, we will all do the interviews in English, but. Um, my Indonesian language skills are, are fluent and that makes a big difference. I found out, especially when I started there uh, 21 years ago, there was not a real proficiency in English for most workers in companies. So I yeah. had to really learn the language to be able to communicate and, and socialize, especially with them. I forget as well, sometimes when I talk to you, Eric, is that you're actually a Dutch speaker by birth. So your English is spoken at such high level of fluency that I forget that sometimes that actually you're not a native English speaker. So, you know, in terms of languages as well, I think that somebody, maybe somebody would appreciate listening to your podcast is you speak as if you were almost native on English as well, or mm. at native level. So, you know, I don't want to blow smoke up your ass too much, but my point is, is that languages come quite naturally to you as well. And I think that this is the important part that I want to make about, the podcast itself, you've mentioned this as well, is that you described yourself as an observer of cultures. And you're not Indonesian. You're, in the same way you say you're confused, is that you're not Dutch as well in that respect because you've lived so long outside of the country. You you mentioned the word confused about identity, and I, I get this as well because I've lived between many cultures as well, between Japan and the UK and now Singapore. But I think there's a real strength in this as well, is that there's a real strength in being an observer. And that's what makes, you know, a podcast about Indonesia by somebody who knows Indonesia as a native but isn't native very powerful because you can see what's real and what's BS. You can see what this is in the bigger scheme of things, right? You know, you're not an Indonesian guy talking about Indonesia, which, you know, has that sort of vested interest, if you like. You're able to sort of put this into context. So, you know, some people may say, well, you know, why is this guy talking about Indonesia? Because he's not Indonesian. I think, to be honest, when you want to understand the market, it's best if you come from that sort of outside observer perspective. I'm curious to know your thoughts on this. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I do think that uh, an Indonesian could do a perfect show about Indonesian tech startups. But um, it's good, I think, to look at it, especially being Dutch, we're known for being quite critical and quite direct. Now, I had to unlearn a lot of those skills uh, to fit into the Indonesian Asian culture. Mm. But I think the, the attitude of looking for the story and looking for the interesting parts of a story and looking for the facts and as you mentioned placing it in some sort of perspective that is different from actually being Indonesian I think can be quite powerful and that's what I'm hoping to achieve I'm hoping to achieve you know a level of criticalness to the stories that I hear and 
definitely a, a, a large level of interest in you know the people that are actually brave enough to start a company in this country where I lost my country company actually. Mm. So that's what I'm really looking forward to this 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 exciting dynamic of entrepreneurs building new things yet at the same time you know putting the the looking glass over it and making sure that you know what what the stories that we're capturing are you know are are have a relevance in the world so mm-hmm. to say yeah let's sort of maybe talk a little bit about why people should be interested in indonesia i mean if they're not indonesian and maybe looking at this market and not it's one of those markets that often lives in the shadow i mean if you're in asia everybody knows about china now and that's what the focus is very much predominantly on but let's sort of run through some of the numbers on indonesia obviously size-wise population 250 270 million um that's the sort of the latest figures coming out so that puts in i don't know where that ranks but in the top 10 of the largest populations of the world surely um you know it's a big market obviously it's a very diverse market as well maybe we can talk a bit about that but th- there's some interesting facts once you break down that population as well you've got 50 percent of the population are below 35 years old so you have this very young population which is interesting that reflects a lot in the the culture and the startup ecosystem as well and you have brands coming out of indonesia like gojek for example which if you're not in Asia, maybe you're sort of unaware of it, but maybe you can talk to us a little bit about what's going on at the moment. How do how does that sort of all reflect on what happens in the day to day in Indonesia? You know, a, a massive market, very young, and there is innovation going on. What what do you see that's tangible that should be of interest to people outside the region? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I've heard already for a long time is that. Uh, Indonesia will be a mobile first country, right? And I, we never really saw what that really meant until recently. Um, I think Gojek, the company you mentioned, is a uh, initially was a motorbike courier company combined with a motorbike transportation company, mm. but they've really built their business now around payments and delivery. Um, so to roll back a little bit, like when I was in the mobile mobile world in the mobile operator industry you know we were always being told look you know indonesia is not going to go to the desktop they're going to go to you know their mobile phone directly and we were all uh, yeah okay that's probably going to happen but we never really saw that happening until recently as you mentioned you know the in the last i would say three four years the startup scene and the and the capital flowing into startups in indonesia has been incredible Um, Mm. not only from inside where a lot of local money has been put into these new companies but also a lot of money from outside has flow has come in basically to this industry so what you see now is that mobile payments and especially delivery on demand are really part of uh, the normal daily culture especially in jakarta big you know that's the capital city and a big city so people are very used now to buying their things online which is mm-hmm. on their mobile phone through an application through one of the uh, the retailers online and uh, they don't they they don't scare away anymore from the fact that okay they don't need to pick that up anywhere it basically gets delivered to your door uh, within usually within the day and that has happened over the last i would say last year that the real integration of of mobile commerce whereby people use an app on their phone to order something and then have it delivered uh, right to your door 
um, within a couple of hours. That that really that integration has happened over the last couple of years, and it's so common now. Um, people, uh, if they have friends on the other side of the city and they need to get something delivered there, in the old days they would um, get. Usually we have you know uh, staff in our house that that does things for us, right? Like uh, cleaning or cooking, or driving. We have drivers in Indonesia if you're at a certain level. So they would ask one of their their personnel to go on their motorbike, drive to the other side of town and deliver it. But now there's a whole system whereby you can just, you know, order that on your phone and get uh, a courier to pick mm. up a package and drop it on the other side of town. And it, it's, it's completely ingrained now in the culture. And the same for food. Food delivery has taken up immensely. And it's really part of everyday life now. Okay, if you don't feel like cooking, you go and buy your meal online and you get it delivered to your house within a few hours. Mm. And it's really reliable. The technology is really high grade. It's it's really up to standard with anything else you would see anywhere else in the world. Mm. It's completely integrated, including payment. And that 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 enormous shift of moving away from uh, making phone calls and arranging this offline and, and getting it sorted to completely integration into applications. Um, it's it's going at such a fast pace and it's changing the way that people um, work together. So you will see retail suffering, obviously, um, but m- it's more that convenience and, and allowing um, this this new technology to take over your life has really had a big impact on many people, I think. Mm. Yeah, so with your background in mobile, this lends itself quite well to your show, obviously, and the startups that are launching in Indonesia, because a lot of it will be at some point, you know, reliant on a mobile app or or spinning out of a mobile business and so on. And I I remember, I mean, this is is something that's been growing for a while. If we go back to, uh, I mean, you talk about mobile first, if we go back to Twitter, and mm-hmm. how how that has really taken off in Indonesia. And before that, BBM was huge. I think BBM, the biggest market for BlackBerry and BBM right. messaging was it was in Indonesia. And there was there was an interesting time because you know my background was in mobile as well. And I think it was 2010 at the the World Cup, which was in South Africa at the time. And there was a an incident in the World Cup where. I can't remember exactly what happened and I need to sort of go into my sort of research, but maybe somebody can help us out with this is that England got knocked out by a stupid decision by the referee, right? Let's just say that was what it was. And uh, normally when this happens, big international incident, Twitter lights up and you can look at straight up the trending term of what that was. It could be, you know, like Neymar dive or something like that. But in 2010, when England got knocked out, the number one trending term globally after that game or, you know, right at the end of the game was in Indonesian. And forgive me, Eric, because I don't remember exactly, but it was something like Wasik something, which meant like stupid referee in mm-hmm. Indonesian. That was the number one hashtag in the world. And it was right. coming out of Indonesia. So I don't remember what it was like, Wasik Godong or something like that. I can't remember what it was. You, you would know better than me. But that was 2010. It was just, it was fascinating because it basically said, you know, if you worked it out that, you know, there were more people in Jakarta maybe or in Indonesia watching that game than probably anywhere else in the world. And then interacting on Twitter when, you know, Indonesia didn't even have a team in the World Cup, but they were behind the English team and supporting them. And sharing that on Twitter, I just found that as an interesting or fascinating, I suppose, insight 
mm-hmm. into what was going on, like mobile first and Indonesian culture and that sort of awareness of global events as well. Yeah, I think that that was main that is mainly caused by the fact that uh, everybody is on a mobile phone. Even the very um, low earning um, levels of society have a mobile phone. It might be a third or second hand one um, uh, that that is refurbished. But a lot a lot of Indonesians are connected. Um, if I'm not 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 mistaken, there are. Currently, you know, more mobile subscriptions, close to more mobile subscription than inhabitants, I think. So people have more than one SIM card and things like that. So that was always uh, a trend. Like like you mentioned, BlackBerry Messenger was the the largest uh, group of users was in Indonesia. But it has always been uh, the question whether or not there were real business models viable on top of that high usage, because a lot of these things were free, of course, right? Twitter was free, uh, BlackBerry Messenger, well, it came with your BlackBerry, but you know, you only had to pay for your BlackBerry subscription, you had free messaging. So now what we're seeing, I think, is interesting that the, the, the money flow on top of this large user base is starting to happen. And it's not traditional advertising, although they're starting to, you know, spend money on this user group, but it's more the commerce-related transactions that are really interesting. People are actually able and willing to pay for certain things using new apps, using um, things like um, you know, uh, the, well, Uber is uh, now out of Indonesia, but you know, the, the the taxi scene was really, really impacted by a lot of these disruptive uh, companies, and people actually are willing to pay through either their credit card or through you know, wallets for services, and that was the big thing, right? You can have 250, 270 million people in the country and a large part of them using a certain service like Facebook or Twitter. But if nobody pays for it, then it's a nice number on your annual Mm. report, but it doesn't translate into any real income. But that is changing. And and payment solutions and wallets and ways to top up these wallets, that's really what's going on now to facilitate this flow of, of commerce money on top of the large user base, which I think is is the key thing to keeping things uh, working. I mean, if nobody's making money on top of many people using it, it's a non-sustainable model, as we know. Mm. How is it like at the grassroots? Uh, you know, one of the challenges here in Asia is that young people are opting still for safe careers because you know it's very much an Asian thing, a cultural thing. You know, mm. why do you want to work for a startup when you could be a doctor or work for a a big bank somewhere. How is it in Indonesia now with that sort of attitude towards entrepreneurialism? Well, I think the main thing that has changed is um, the fact that a few of these startups have received very, very large funding and are are very visible. Um, there is one thing in Indonesia, though, that that that's uh, related to pride of where you work. So... If you would say that you would work at a large, let's say a large bank, uh, Citibank or HSBC, everybody would know, oh, he's working at Citibank mm. or HSBC. It gives you status, right? It gives you uh, Does that pride. make you more marriable? Um, well, funny that you would say so, but I think it would. Um, mm. It has a lot to do with the culture is definitely for for partners to find somebody that has a stable job and an income that is a quite an important requirement when people get married i think especially in the the, the the related families towards the couple um so i do think it's an important thing but what i was what i was about to come to is that 
since uh, you know, like you mentioned, Gojek, there's been Bleed Bleed, there have been online retailers, there have been a lot of companies that have had a lot of funding. And because they had a lot of funding, they were able to spend on marketing, on recruiting, on growing. So if you now say that you work, for instance, for a company like Gojek, which is now a unicorn in Indonesia, people would know, oh, that's, hmm. you know, people now have pride to actually work for, which is no longer a startup, but what used to be a startup. So the scene is getting more appeal and it's getting more uh, brand recognition in the market. And that attracts people to work for these kind of companies. Hmm. However, I mean, I've, I've had my own startups after I stopped my mobile uh, business and for us that was one of the big challenges we were a relative unknown company trying to recruit uh, talented people to uh, to work for us and if you're an unknown company we had a we had a social wi-fi platform which we have built for for many years uh, but because we were quite unknown in the market and didn't have the money to spend on growing the brand recognition it was very difficult for us to hire good quality staff hmm. and that is one of the challenges i think because there are so many tech companies in the country now to hire enough staff to run these companies is really a challenge uh, and uh, it's it's a it's a buyer's I said it's a seller's market I would say probably and so the people that are now in that space they are very well paid because there's a there's a competition going on for their skills mm. and for their time uh, which is one of the challenges and you see a lot of these companies they outsource a lot of things to countries where there is more people like India or China uh, so the company is still Indonesian, but a lot of the work is actually being done outside Indonesia because the resources are just not enough. Hmm. How does that sort of pan out when you've got places like Singapore next door? I mean, from Singapore to Jakarta, it's a it's a day trip, isn't it? You can get there in an hour. Does that affect the, you know the talent flow? Do you, do you see like the best talent leaving or people coming back now to Indonesia and, and starting up businesses? Or you know, is that still an issue? Because it, you know it's great to have capital on your doorstep, but that can have a often negative effect, can't it? That you can drain out all the people that would have started a startup in Jakarta into Singapore because there's a lot more access to money. Do you see any sort of trend there in what sort of direction that's going? Now, from what I know from the people, from my friends that are in this industry, I see the reverse. Indonesians are very attached to their countries and to their families. So uh, there used to be a, quite an appeal to work overseas. But if you're in this kind of space at the moment and the pay is, is good and the pay for the salaries for people in tech are really quite okay now in Indonesia, then the appeal of being close to family and close to friends and being in the in your own culture is very high. So people would like to, or for the most part, I guess, prefer to stay in Indonesia working for the scene, for the, for right. the scene and, and the tech companies here, instead of going abroad where, you know, the climate is uh, strange, the food is different, the people are different. So I don't, I, I think that's sort of reversed now, the, the trend of people trying to, you know, make a living outside of the country to, you know, the rewards being right for for people in this business to stay. Mm. So at this point, there's no issue for them, like starting a startup in Jakarta, whereas maybe five, 10 years ago, the issue could have been, well, you can't get access to capital or you can't get access to the right talent. Now it's like, well, you can get that. So, you know, if you are attached to Indonesia, then why not do it here? And I think that's sort of where we're at now because... It seems like private equity, the VC money, from what I see in the numbers, it's there now. It's certainly there in Indonesia. And it's certainly pouring into Indonesia from the outside as well. I mean, there's a lot of interest 
from Chinese investors in Southeast Asia and Indonesia is one of those markets which are definitely, you look at the numbers we just talked about, makes it quite attractive. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And that's good, I think. Um, the, I think the talent has always been there, but it had never been, it, it had never had the chance to spend time and effort on, well, new things and experimental things because to do that you need to have a buffer to to mm. grow your company to start it up and that's now readily available um the, it, it does come with the same thing that silicon valley has had or still has i think for a, a long time which is um the the the, the magic of success of a of, of a couple of companies sometimes leads to the the uh the blind uh, faith that okay everything yeah. we touch in tech in Indonesia is going to work which obviously won't so there's a there's probably also a lot of disappointment which I'm also trying to go and capture in the show right people that haven't made it mm. and and what they have learned from it because that's part of uh, starting a business especially but especially in this this risky space of new things new technology new space I mean it's it's not always going to work and I think the 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 dream of okay tech and uh, and and a, a lot of venture capital flowing in is deceiving a lot of people too that you know it's uh, everything is possible mm. on the one on the one hand that's good you know an attitude of let's make things happen and let's try things but the 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 success stories are definitely in the news a lot so you know by by that you can see that um you know, the focus is, okay, look look at our successes, look at the five unicorns we have in the country, look at this, look at that. Okay, mm. that's fine, but uh, that doesn't mean that everything you touch now in tech in Indonesia is going to work. Absolutely. So going back to what you want to achieve on this show, what are the kind of stories that you want to get out there? What, what do you think is the the goal of Launch Indonesia? What What is the story that you want to tell about Indonesia? What are the kind of voices that you want to get on that platform? And what are the areas that you want to kind of know more about yourself? Because it's not like you have all the answers. You have the questions, I think, more than anything else. And you, you, I guess it's a journey for you to discover what's going on in Indonesia as well. What, what sort of things excite you about what you want to kind of learn more about from Indonesia? Yeah, I think um, there, there, are, there are a couple of things I think that would be very interesting to cover. First of all, I think I want to really highlight the fact that the startup scene and the and, and the new companies in Indonesia are at a at a world class level at the moment. Um, it's not simple organized companies anymore that um, that are not up to the stand up to let's say American Chinese Indonesian Singapore or Singaporean standards of how a company should be built and should be run. So I want to highlight: look, these new companies that are starting up, they're really professional companies. Mm. The main reason why I want to do that is because there's still a bit of a stigma, I think, that we're behind in a lot of things, and that might be true, but I don't think it's true for these innovative people that are running these new companies. I mean. Um, actually, a, a family member of mine runs uh, a, an artificial intelligence company that does chatbots in Bahasa Indonesia slang. That is something that is quite amazing, you know. Mm. So it's and it's high tech, high tech business. So that's one thing I want to bring Indonesia to the world stage. This is not a develop. Yes, it's a developing country, but in tech startups, we're up there with you know the best. I think. Secondly, I think I'm really interested in finding entrepreneurs that are really trying to solve the big problems of the country. 
Um, and the country has a few really big problems. Transportation and traffic is a huge issue. Pollution is a big issue in Jakarta. Uh, waste of natural resources, especially packaging, plastic packaging, uh, pollution. Um, so I don't only want to focus on you know the, the high-flying, high-profile kind of companies that are trying to reach uh, mega high valuations in uh, raising money or, or selling the company. I also want to really look at which companies are there that are really trying to, f- to solve one of the main issues of the country. And then thirdly, I think um, I want to give uh, Indonesian entrepreneurs a platform to get exposed to the world and uh, let their voices be heard and, and let their stories be heard. Um, there's a lot of media locally, uh, that are also around tech. Um, but I think it's important for, for me, uh, to, to showcase the companies and the people that are, that are building this, uh, that are building the companies behind, you know, the, the stories that do reach, uh, tech crunch, right there. There's a few stories that reach tech crunch, but there's a lot of other things that are going on that are super interesting to look at, I think. This is so exciting, Eric. I'm I'm really pleased that somebody has stepped up to the plate, stepped up to the mic and decided to do this because, you know, I, I've obviously knowing your background, I know that you have a lot to bring to the table in terms of the discussions and the stories. On top of that is just the whole angle of Indonesia because of the size of the market and it's relative unknown to a lot of people, especially in the, the tech ecosystem. And you've made it your mission to step up and to shine a light and to help tell those stories and give those people a voice. I find that really exciting. And I'm really looking forward to, genuinely looking forward to the stories that you're going to bring to the show and some of the, you know, the journeys that these entrepreneurs have been on. So, you know, just want to say thanks for for stepping up and making that happen and, and getting this started because that's the first thing. And I guess, you know, let's put the call out there for people who, are in this space so those people that you mentioned those entrepreneurs in indonesia doing you know building creating um you know give them a voice give them a platform you know let them get in touch with you how do you want them to reach out to you what would be the most effective way for somebody who's got an amazing story to tell about indonesia and what they're doing to be in touch with you eric yeah. Um, well, first of all, uh, I want to thank you for creating uh, the Asia Tech Podcast Network. I think uh, that's the reason why I was able to just say, look, I'm going to go do a show about Indonesia and have uh, the network and your organization make sure that it, that we get distribution. Uh, if I would have started on my own, I probably wouldn't have done it. But since we can link it now up with the, uh, the Asia Tech Podcast Network, that's why I think it becomes really interesting. So thank you for creating that. Uh, it's, a, it's an enormous initiative, and I think it goes really fast now, which is, uh, for me, very exciting to be part of that. Um, so I think it's quite simple. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, figure out, you know, find the show notes, um, see where we are at, how to reach out to us. Um, but most m- otherwise, go to atp.show, uh, the Asia Tech Podcast Network.show, atp.show, and find out how you can uh, connect with, uh, with me. Um, or even with any of the other hosts that are in the network and doing other shows, uh, which you might be interested in. So just go to our website, um, uh, register yourself. I think uh, there's a there's a link there to register as a guest, um, and then you get into our our flow and our, into our system, and we'll reach out to you and uh, and invite you to come on the show. 
There you go. It's an invite. It's a challenge. Eric Tanhaver, everybody. And he is going to be bringing you stories from the Indonesian tech ecosystem. Coming here on Asia Tech Podcast, Eric, great to have you on the show. Looking forward to this endeavor. And hopefully the ecosystem can support you and reach out to you. And, you know, more, more power to Indonesia. Looking forward to what you're going to bring over the coming weeks. Yeah, Graham, thanks a lot. I'm very excited to get started. So let's uh, let's get this rolling. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.